thank you that you created us in such a way, um, God, that we long for relationships. And God, we know we're not alone. We have each other. And God, most of all, we have you and that you long to be intimate and in close relationship with us. So we thank you for that. We break that lie in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, we here, High Point Church, a part of a, a larger network of churches called Every Nation. So we are not alone either. We are doing a great work in this city um, and believing that God will reach um, hundreds and hundreds of students at KSU and we will expand down to the other campuses and that we're going to plant churches. And But we also recognize that we are part of a larger movement of churches where we gain strength. We're also part of the body of Christ that is advancing all over the world. I was just recently, a, a month ago or a few weeks ago, in Kuala Lumpur at our Every Nation's Asia Pacific ga pa Pastors Gathering. And something that just kind of stuck out to me and, and overwhelmed me was the testimonies of the churches who are in restricted nations. And just talking about how they do ministry under the threat of persecution, going to jail. Amy was, was just sharing, um, she was on a phone call with somebody who was there as well, and they were talking about how one of the pastors recently was in, it was in jail because of preaching the gospel, and he had to go and defend himself. Um, and I just, I just think, wow, how good is it to be here where we are, where we can just openly share with people the good news. Um, and when, when I was hearing these testimonies, they were talking about planting churches, starting new, new ministries, reaching people, and they're doing it in a place where you cannot openly share your faith, but they're finding ways because they love God and they want to see disciples made in his kingdom advance. They're finding a way to do it. So I just want to echo what Pastor Andy said in, in the, to, to find a way to share with your neighbors, your friends, your family members about the love of God because he does break down every wall. He breaks down the lies, and he will touch their hearts. Right. Amen. During, this is the season to do that. That's right. All right. I'm going to jump into our uh, series. I love this. Our, our series on changing the rules of monopoly. I have brought the rules yeah. with me, and we are going to take a look at the rules in just a minute because if you're playing a game, it's important to look at the rules, isn't it? Anybody a rule follower no. when, when you're playing a game? I mean, get out of here. Leave if you're not, okay? I don't even want you part of this message. Um, I read the rules when I'm playing a game and make sure we follow them. I know, I know. It's true a little bit. Um, hey, I want to throw a couple pictures up there. Uh, here's, here's our family playing Monopoly this, this last week. We broke out our, we actually, when we were in Australia, we bought the Australian version of Monopoly. Go to the next slide, check this out. Oh, what next slide? That's us, Nate, going crazy. I just had to put that in there. See, we got Australia there, Sydney, the beaches, a surfer. Yeah, close to my heart. The, the little guys, we've got a surfer, a meat pie. Aussies are known for their meat pies. Um, a barbecue grill, uh, a kangaroo, and a few other things. Anyways, it just warms my heart when we put that out to play. And uh, it, it was fun. But when, when you play a game, 
at least me, my wife is not always this way, but I play to win. I don't care if my kids are there. I don't care who, I'm playing to win, okay? They're going to have to learn one way or the other. You play to win, and you have to play by the rules. So we're going to read, read the rules of Monopoly. Now, everybody knows you've, you've got to know the rules to play the game right, but you also have to know kind of the hacks, right? You've got to know the, the inside, what wisdom and knowledge gives you. So for a little while longer, I'm still going to beat my kids at Monopoly because I know a few of the Monopoly hacks. But here's the rules. I found this interesting because I think as we read through, it relates very closely to what we're talking about um, in this series. Uh, so the rules here, it says how to play. And it doesn't just say how to play. It says, do you have that up there? Oh, no, they didn't. That, that slide didn't make it. That's okay. I can, I can describe it. It says not just how to play, but it says how to win. And that's what I'm talking about. When I see that, I'm thinking, okay, that, you got my attention. It says move around the board, buying up as many properties as you can. Place airports and utilities on, on each one. The more you own, the more you rent, the more you'll get. Okay? Yeah. If, the, if you're, you're the last player, when all other players have gone bankrupt, you win. So the whole goal is to, to consume, to purchase, to buy, to put properties, and to bankrupt, basically destroy everybody else. And if you're the last one standing, you have won the rules of Monopoly right there. Today we're talking, this series is about changing the rules of Monopoly. Because our culture, we live this way, don't we? I think Monopoly had a pretty large, maybe it wasn't Monopoly, maybe it's other things as well, had a pretty large effect on us. Um, I, I played a lot of Monopoly growing up. Anybody else have some like five-day epic games of Monopoly? Absolutely. For me, that kind of got, it, it teaches you. These types of things teach you. Our culture from every which way teaches us that we should get more, we should accumulate, we need more, more, more bigger house, more stuff, better clothes, iPhone 10, you know, I mean, we need it, right? So you, you, you want more, it teaches you you need more, and it says this, if you get more, then you'll be happy. If you get that house in that right neighborhood, then you'll be safe and secure and your kids will go to the right schools. If you fill in the dots, get the new job, if you get the, the iPhone X, you're going to be really cool. It is pretty cool, but <laughs> that's not the point. It, the, the more and the if does not lead to the then. There's a breakdown in our culture. These things do not relate. Actually, it's the complete opposite. If this is the way you live, if you live to consume, if you live for the next best thing, if you live for the fancy clothes, nothing wrong with fancy clothes, nothing wrong with a good car, nothing wrong with a great job or a nice house. But if that's what you're thinking about, if that's what's in, inside of you, you're desiring, I need this, and then I'll be satisfied. 
and then I'll be whole or filled. And then people will like me and I'll be popular and have friends. There's a breakdown. It actually causes the opposite effect. It leaves you wanting. It leaves you empty. It leaves you in a place where you all of a sudden recognize, I've got everything I could ever dream and want, but I have nothing. My relationships are broken. You know, I, I have lived for this, but what you, we actually desire is this. And that if-then mentality, the more if-then mentality leaves us empty and wanting. And the, the scripture is, is so clear about this. And I love how um, there is so much wisdom and um, principles that we can extrapolate from, from the Bible when it comes to money, when it comes to how we live, when it comes to our desires and wealth. Um, we're going to look at the 10th commandment quickly. And, and it says this, Exodus twenty seventeen says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that your neighbor has. You shall not desire you know, what everybody around you has. And I don't know about you, but that's really hard to live by. I mean, I, I've got that hook of consumerism just stuck in there that I've constantly got to pull out or check. I mean, when I see that new iPhone X being, you know, the, all the shiny curves, the I don't know about you. It, it gets me. I had to break that. I have an iPhone 5. Thank you. Thank you. Look at that. Slightly cracked, very well used. I've replaced the screen myself. Thank you. But I, I just had to. I, there was a time where I knew every single function of the next iPhone coming out. You know, and, and that consumerism can get into any of us, that we desire the next best thing, the upgrade, you know, because we see all our friends having it. It's, it, it. And it's not just in us as adults. We see it in our kids, don't we? We, we live in a neighborhood where, um, you know, we're, we're in the, the kind of normal part of the neighborhood, but there's there's some really nice neighborhoods very close to us. And um, these kids are getting, at 15 and a half, new Range Rovers. You know, they are pre-ordering iPhone Xs or 10s, however you want to say it. See, I don't even know what, how you say it right now. I know, I know, I got it. Um, I mean, it is seeping into every part of our culture, and it affects us in a, in a terrible way where we don't even recognize that it's happening. We don't even recognize that we're wanting and desiring and, you know, that, that that's consuming part of our world. We know that we shouldn't covet, right? We know what God has said, but it's, it's just so prevalent 
It's, it, it's in so much of our, of our life. It's in the advertising. It's in magazines. It's, it's everywhere. It's just impossible to avoid. So how do we fight against that? How do we keep from, you know, falling into that consumeristic mindset? How do we change the rules of monopoly? Huh? Because those rules that I just read, those are the rules of our culture. Get, get ahead. Get as much as you can. Store it up and get, get security. And who cares how everybody else does, right? I mean, if, if I've got enough and I'm getting ahead, then everything's okay. And we won't admit that we think that way, but we, we often think that way, even when we don't want to. You know, it, it is so prevalent, it, it hits deep down inside of us. This rule book, the rule book of life that our culture has, that, that we, we see and experience in, in everything, it has a set of values that it, that it goes by. And those values dictate how we live. So you think, what are the values of the consumeristic culture? We've, we've talked about it a few times. Is that you want the latest greatest. You want more. You want the best. You want to look the best. You have to pr present this image that you've got it all together on, on all your social media sites. And you have, these are the rules. And they're, they're, they're there because of a set of values. And we don't just have to change the rules of, of monopoly of, of what we're talking about. We have to change and understand the right values that go with the new thinking that we need. We have to, God has a different rule book, and he has a different set of values that we need to live by. And the Bible give it, gives us some clear um, verses and sayings on how to do this. So I'm going to share a few of these real quick. You've, you've heard these. But the kingdom of God is opposite to what our culture says. Listen to this. It's better to what? Give than to receive. Exactly. The scripture says in Proverbs that the debtor is slave to the lender. Right? The last shall be first. The, the scripture says that, that, that we should not invest in right now, but invest in eternity, in the kingdom of heaven. It says, build up and prefer all those around you instead of tearing them down so that you can get ahead. It says, lift everybody else up instead of tearing them down so you can get ahead. These are the values that go with a new rule book that we have to follow. So in this series, we are looking at some, some big ideas, and I want to I just touch on each one real quick. First, and last week, talked about generosity, that we as Christ followers have to live a life of generosity, that we have to break that concept 
of hoarding, of, of gathering, of holding on to what we've got, and we have to be open-handed and give it away. That generosity lives to a better, leads to a better life. That, that what we actually have and think is ours is not ours, but it's God's. And, and that we are just stewards of what he's given us. The second is that we're talking about Thanksgiving, November. That this is a month and a time that we should be giving thanks and recognizing no matter if you have a little or if you have a lot, that we should be thankful for what God has done in our lives and for what we have and for the people. That we need to, to stir up that inside that thankful, generous Heart. And then third, what we're talking about today is about contentment. That we, that we need to live a life of contentment. Contentment means this. It's a state of happiness or peace, if you will, and satisfaction. Contentment. That is opposite of how our culture wants us to live. If we lived in a, play, a state of satisfaction, of peace, and, content, and we were content with the things we had, there'd be, a, there, there'd be less iPhone 10s being bought, right? I'm not saying it's wrong to, to buy that. I'm just saying if we were not... We didn't have this mindset that we have to have the latest and the greatest. We've got to have more. We've got to have bigger and better. And we were satisfied and content, at peace with what God has given us and with where we are in our lives. Then there would be less consumerism, and that would begin to be broken down. Unfortunately, contentment, it's elusive. It's hard to, to, to hold on to. It's hard to, to be in that place of contentment. Does anybody struggle with contentment? I know I do. The, our culture tells us that, that we should not be that way. We should not be content. We, think, we look at right now the, the debt rate in our culture. In um, Atlanta, debt is over 6000 per household. The average college student comes out with over $20,000 in debt, some 100 plus in debt. Um, the divorce rate is staggering. The, why, is the, why is the lottery so big? Why, why, do we, why do we fork out, you know, dollar, five dollar, ten dollar to buy these tickets? It's because we, we are consumed with this idea of get rich, get what we can, you know, the need for money, and we want it quick. But the, the, the gospel is opposite of that. The scripture says that we should be content. Now, I want you to, to, to look at this, this next verse with us, with me. Philippians 4. says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. This is, I should have set this up. This is Paul talking to the, to the church of Philippi. And he's writing a letter to them saying thank you. Because they have, in their need, they have given to him 
a great son to provide for him while he was in jail. Because when you're in jail, you, you have to have other people during this time provide for you or you will go hungry. And he was in jail for four and a half years. And this is the only church that supplied and sent gifts to him and supplied his needs. So he's writing to them to say thank you. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last your reward, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So he's been in jail for four and a half years, and he is in need. And he did need that gift. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Wow. There's some of us here who may be in want, may be in need, and legitimately, with Christmas coming up and Thanksgiving here and, you know, providing for the family and gifts and paying mortgages, it could be hard right now. But this is, this is what Paul says. He, has, he says, I have learned in these circumstances, being in jail and being in need and being in want, how to be content with whatever's going on. Whatever's happening. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means you're at peace and you're satisfied with what God is doing in your life and you're trusting God for your circumstances. It doesn't mean you don't speak up, but you have needs. It doesn't mean that, that you, you, you know, you're, you're not desperate in praying you know, that God would, would show up and meet that need. But in the midst of those circumstances, you're content. If we could be like that, I think we could break this debt culture that we live in, this buy it now, put it on credit, put it, put, put it on you know, zero interest till 2019, and realize that, you know what? Yes. I'm in need, but I can be content. I can be at peace. I can be satisfied with what's going on in my heart and in my life. Look at this. 1 Timothy 6.6 says this. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Wow. That's good, isn't it? That true godliness with contentment, add, add contentment there. That's great wealth. We want to have a wealthy life because peace and satisfaction, that's wealth, right? If we want to have a wealthy life, we need to put God first, pursue his kingdom first, put his stuff before our stuff. Invest in the kingdom of God before we invest in our earthly kingdom. Number one. Number two is add to that contentment in your life. Break the consumeristic, consumerism, debt, culture, and 
take that hook out of your heart and say, God, I am satisfied with you. I am content in you. No matter what's going on, I trust you. I believe that you are my provider above all else. He goes on, verse 7, it says, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we, can take, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Last week, Pastor Andy, the, the scripture says that not even the birds of the air, the, the, you know, worry about these things because God is greater and provides for us. We live in a culture that wants everything now, right? The verses continue on, and it says, I'm just going to sum it up, says this, basically. When we give into temptation and put our trust in money, the next verse 9 and 10 says that it leads to evil and sorrow. It says when we give into the temptation and put our trust in money and wealth, it actually leads to evil and sorrow. The scripture says that the, the things of this world, they do fade away and they do crumble and die, that we have to invest into the next world. One way to, to, to break this hold that is on our life is to, to learn something called delayed gratification. Who likes that? I, th I thought I'd just throw that with Delayed gratification. Everybody say that with me. Delayed gratification. Nobody likes that word. My kids don't like that word. I don't like that word. Nobody likes that word. My, my son is, is learning right now what delayed gratification means. He's saved up for an Xbox 4 Slim. A PlayStation 4 Slim, sorry. I don't, I don't know. So he saved up for this, right? We got all the money together. We went online, click, we bought a used one. It was supposed to come, and it, 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 was, it was not the, the Amazon two-day shipping. It was, it was eBay, unfortunately, like, you know, 10-day shipping. So whatever. He's like, oh, Dad. I'm like, it is what it is. It's going to get here. We're going to wait for it. Well, it doesn't come. We were scammed. So, yes. So we put in for a refund. We're waiting. You know, it's a, it's a process. We'll get it. It'll get the work. And so I'm like, okay, bud, we're waiting till Black Friday. And we're going, and we're going to get you a new one. Um, but he's just been holding on, waiting, 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 waiting. And then it was just pulled out from under him. So he, he, he was re he's really been, he was shaken up, but he's handled it well. And he's going to learn and grow from this, right? Um, delayed and deferred gratification are such important lessons to learn. And it's something, as adults, we have to apply or we will find ourselves buried in debt. Yeah. We will find ourselves completely overrun with payments. We have to learn to delay gratification, to put it off and to wait, to save and then to invest and buy. Um, there's a, an experiment at Stanford called the Cookie and Marshmallow Test. It was, it was done in 1970 by psych, psychologist Walter Michelle, Michelle, I guess, M-I-S-H. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Famously, 
It's a faint, and this has been replicated over and over again. What, he, what they did was they, they brought in young kids, and they put a cookie on a plate in front of them, or a marshmallow. And they, they placed it in front and said, this is for you. And they said, now, I'm going to run an errand. I'm going to be gone for a, a certain amount of time. When I come back, and they don't t- say how long, when I come back, if, the, if you haven't eaten the cookie, I'll give you another one. You can have two, right? So, or two marshmallows. You get a little extra bonus. So they put it in front, they leave, and they observe. And they watch these kids look at it, look around, struggle, look at it. Oh, man. And the majority of the kids, what, what do they do? They eat the cookie or the marshmallow. Of course they do. But there are some kids who learned tactics, and they, there's all kinds of things written on it, of how they did it, to not eat the cookie or the marshmallow. And then when they came back in, they gave them another one, and they ate two. And they, they then tracked and followed these kids, both groups, for years to come, and watched how they did on their test scores, watched what kind of jobs they get, watched the relationships that they build, watched the wealth that they build. And, it, and with, you know, time and time again, the ones who were able to show constraint, delayed gratification, to wait, did better in school, did, did better in life, got better jobs, had more wealth later in life. They, it, it was a, a true you know, um, decider of who would go one way or the other. And, and it just shows that as adults, if we will learn to be content, if we will learn to delay gratification, to, to not just consume, to buy, to want more, we will have healthier relationships. We will have actually more money. We, we will do better in life. And it showed that these people were more satisfied and just were more full and had better lives. How crazy is that? That you can tell that from a kid who either ate the cookie or waited for the next cookie. But our impulse, and this is what it's getting at, our impulse control affects how we live and affects the quality of our life down the road. And we can learn this. We can teach ourselves this. We don't have to just give in to every desire or want. Right? Right? You don't, I'm, you don't have to give in to every desire or want. It's true. Our culture will say, that's what you should do. It's healthy. If you want it and can have it and it doesn't hurt anybody, why not? Well, no. Because if that's the way we live, we end up with we end up unsatisfied, we end up in debt, we end up completely upside down. And actually, if we will delay gratification, if we will, we will show some restraint, we actually live better lives. Paul, in the end of, the, of this, verse 11, says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things what we just talked about. Run from that. If you're a man of God or a woman of God, then it says pursue righteousness and a godly life. 
We have to, we have to put off that stuff, turn from, from that hook that's in our, in our life and pursue righteousness and God first and then be content with what we have and where God has taken us. Our natural reaction, our natural propensity is to consume and to have more. But as Christ followers and as human beings, we have the capability to delay gratification and to be content with where we're at. We will not be able to do this unless it becomes a personal value of ours, unless our value system changes, that we see that this is better, that this is how we should live, that the values that we see here, not here, become our values, that, that Christ first, that the kingdom of God, we invest there before we invest in anything else. You know, that we, we recognize that we don't have to have everything right now and that we need to teach our children the same thing. If our values will change, then we can walk in contentment. Then we can live a life that's not dictated and pulled by consumerism. I want to end with a, a, a couple parables that Jesus said that I think touch right on this. Matthew 13, 44 through 46 says this. It's the parable of the hidden treasure. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And just before this, he talked about that, that our, we should invest in the kingdom where things don't rust and moths don't destroy it, where, where it will last for eternity. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So giving us a picture of what it is to find Christ, basically, what it is to live in the kingdom. It says, when you find this, when you see that these values, when you see this lifestyle, you will sell everything you have to buy it. It goes on straight after, it's the pearl of great price, 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So just in case you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it again. When you find this kingdom, when you find what this life will lead to, you will sell everything to have it. Because you know that, that these values, that, that this lifestyle, that following God first will lead to contentment, will lead to peace, will lead to satisfaction, and that it's the best life for us. It's so easy to forget and to get caught up in everything going on around us. It's hard to walk in contentment. I know for Amy and I, over the last couple of years, this has been 
an ongoing battle and struggle for us to be content in something completely new, to be content, um, you know, where, where for us, we don't have access to as many resources and, and that we're struggling. This is, you know, and I just want to say, you know, you might look, look up here and think, you know, oh, he's probably got it all together. I don't, for sure. I, I, I don't. We, we struggle to walk this way and to, to, to choose contentment over consumerism and to choose contentment over, you know, d the desire to have more and more and more and to choose contentment and to teach our children contentment than to just buy them anything they want. This is a, this is a, a struggle. And for, for us, and I, I wasn't gonna share this, but then I've been reading a book on vulnerability. And so I thought, hey, God, okay. Um, there's only been two times in our life that Amy and I have, have consumed some debt. These things do happen, you know? And, and it wasn't because we wanted more, it was because we moved across the world and had a lot of expenses and some medical things that came up. So we, we have a little debt right now and we're paying it off and working towards that. Um, but that's very hard for me because I don't believe in debt. And there's only been two times in our life that we've been in debt. And so, and even in the midst of that, we have chosen to walk in contentment and to say, okay, yes, this is not the desired place we want to be in, but we will choose to be content. We will choose to, to, to teach our children that it's okay to not have the newest in everything. We will, we will live as simply as possible and, and, and choose to work our way out of this to become, you know, to be where we want to be. And I say that, you know, because I know that statistically, there's many of you in here who carry debt. And statistically, all of us struggle with wanting more. And, and you know, especially during this season of, of Thanksgiving and Christmas. This should be the, the season where we are praising God and generous. This should be the season where leading into Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, not looking for the best deal on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, which, is, which we're all doing. But that cannot take the place or be in the forefront. We have got to learn how to be content and choose what is most important. That's to honor God and to make disciples and to walk in, in a way that is countercultural. Amen? Would you stand? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we choose to follow you, Lord, with all we have. Lord, our everything that we own, our gifts, our talents, our stuff, our money, it's yours. God, help us steward it well. Help us give it away when you call us to and be generous. God, help us be content when we're in lack or have extra. Lord, help us walk in such a way that honors and glorifies you and touches the lives of the people around us through our generosity that somebody will come to know you. Lord, through, through the way we choose to raise our children and the way we choose um, to not have to have the, the latest and the greatest, God, somebody would see that and say, man, they're different. What is it? 
Lord, be, be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.